You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Kim Grinnells of Dogman.com with Chris Vetter, Scott Eklund. Time for another edition of Dogman Radio. We thought we would switch it up a little bit and just take mailbag questions. So we had a bunch of questions just submitted by subscribers onto the boards, and we will do our best to answer them shortly, concisely, and uh, very imaginative. But uh, fall camp, the first question we got, it's kind of funny. When does camp start and what is the practice schedule? And as of about an hour ago, we were still asking ourselves the same things. When's practice going to start? And then we got an email about a half hour ago giving us a little bit of information, but not a lot, but looks like practice is going to start on Friday, you guys. A lot of notice. So, Scott, are you ready to go on Friday? Yeah, I mean, we, we'd been kind of hearing, like, I had heard the report day was Friday, but I guess the report day is to, either today or tomorrow, and uh, I thought the camp was going to start on Monday, but whatever, you know, we'll, we're ready to go. We knew, we know the deal. Um, we've been doing this for how long, and you have we ever really gotten much notice on when the actual dates are yet? Nope. Yeah. So I mean, it's just kind of I don't want to I don't want to be snarky or anything. It's just kind of par for the course. We know the deal and we deal with it. So. So we'll have practice on Friday, and then Jimmy Lake will be available on Friday after practice. We typically typically the way they do that is they have a report date and then they have a. Um, press conference with Coach Lake the day before practice begins and practice begins the next day. But the way it looks right, uh, right now, again, practice starting on Friday, we will have availability to Jimmy Lake on, um, after practice on Friday. And then tell me if I read it wrong, but practice every day except for Thursday. And we haven't got a schedule on what will be open to us yet or what will be open to fans yet. And I think that's going to be the main question a lot of fans are going to have is when uh, can we go? When can we go to practice? And we just don't have those answers yet. But uh, that's just pretty much the way it works. Right, Chris? I think so. I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that it hasn't come out by now. But all we know is that it starts Friday and we'll get to talk to Jimmy after practice. And We'll have a ton of content for you on Friday afternoon. And then after that, we go and we roll. And hopefully it'll be a lot like um, the way it was with spring, which means, you know, fans get to go to a few of the practices and uh, we get a, uh, an opportunity to go to a lot of the practices as well. Frankly, I was shocked at the amount of, uh, of access that we had in spring, um, not expecting maybe as much in fall as they start to tighten things up and they really yeah. start to dial in on the game plan for for montana but um yeah i i i'm a little shocked that we don't know as much as we know yet and i would anticipate the during the first couple of weeks is when they will open things up and when things get closer and tighter to the game time um the things will tighten up and uh, you know the last week for sure uh, i expected to be closed down and then you know when i was talking to you know jen cohen down at media day she said expect some type of fan i don't know if it's going to be a picture day but um you know i I think they still have to work with state on the pandemic stuff and all of that kind of different things but i have a hard time believing there as much as i would like it and i think it's a great outreach to fans i just i've got a hard time believing they're gonna allow 
um, with with all the fear that's going on with the Delta variant and everything, regardless of which side of the aisle you're on and where you yep. stand on the, all that, it, I just have a hard time believing they're going to allow the players to be in the middle of a bunch of fans. Well, they just they just said that they're going to open. Uh, they'll have some type of a fan event. Yeah. What that means? I don't know. So uh, we will see how that goes. But again, spring ball starts Friday. And hey, Scott, anybody going to cover it better than the guys from Dogman.com? Never. No one. No one does. We, we just, will be. We're, we're going to have us three plus our intern Jack will be at quite a few of them too. So you get a lot of different perspectives. Yeah. Uh, first question. Will the coaches use the same policy as in spring ball that resulted in the players getting more reps in practice? Not exactly sure what that means, but I'll let you guys tackle that one. Well, um, it basically oh, meant that the, the way they did it, and you saw this firsthand, Kim, they went back to back when they were doing 11 on 11 drills. So you'd have number ones and number twos going basically back to back. So they were doubling up the number of reps. That's, that's the way, at least that's the way I understood the question. And my answer would be, why not? I mean, it's, yeah. you know, it's a situation where they, they've kind of stumbled on something and I don't know about stumble, but they certainly found something that works well, really well for them. They got a lot of use out of it in spring and I don't see any reason why they wouldn't continue that, especially in the beginning of fall camp when you not only have those guys coming back that need to kind of, you know, shake off the rust a little bit, but you also have a plenty of newcomers that are going to need to try to get as many reps as they can early on so they can try to get up to speed. And it's just like a lot of instances. I call it going down the funnel. And the first day of practice, you're going to be at the widest point of that funnel. And the closer you get to the first opening game, you know, you start to narrow things down. So I think that first week we'll probably see a lot of guys getting looks and Scott, what, about a week and a half before we really get a, uh, start to get a good idea of what the depth chart's going to look like. Yeah, or a seating chart, whatever you want to call it. But, um, you know, and, and the, the other thing is, um, what people need to take into account is the fact that the three weeks of fall camp or two and a half weeks of fall camp that we're going to get to watch are, are, it's basically just uh, another version of spring football. I mean, it's a time for the coaches to evaluate guys, see who's ready to go. They're going to do some in quite a bit of install, but most of the, most of the stuff when it, when everything's narrowed down and they don't give everybody the same amount of reps, that's going to be game week that week before. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think you're going to see a lot of that guys getting reps and as many reps as possible as they can get that, that is going to benefit the team overall. Next question. Do you believe in coach Jimmy Lake and John Donovan's limited? I don't know why they put li- the word limited in there. Limited new offensive playbook last year. And what do you expect from the offense this well, year? Well, they, the question is, do, do we believe that the coaches limited the playbook last okay. year? And, and if that's the question, and I think that's what it is, then yes. I mean, no, I, I don't think there's any question if that's the case, because you have a guy who's never played in a game before not even taking a snap in college football even in garbage time I mean the kid Dylan Morris had never stepped on a college football field for a game and so you have that you have a a new offensive system you have young wide receivers you have a really good stable of running backs that you could hand the ball off to and you had what they thought was a pretty darn good defense so why, I mean, you're not going to open things up. I don't know why anyone would think that that would have been the case. I, I really, and then you throw in COVID on top of everything. So, you know, when they didn't get a spring football to install the offense, they didn't get a summer of workouts. They didn't get any of those things. So 
it, it only makes sense that it was limited last year. And yes, I think it's going to be opened up this year. Is it going to look like Washington State's offense? No. Is it going to look like LSU's under, under, you know, when Joe Burrow was throwing the ball over the place? No, but they're going to throw the ball more than they did last year and things are going to open up a little bit more. And Chris, we've seen this, you know, numerous times, you know, fans want to open up the offense. And then when they open up the offense and start throwing the ball all over the field, what happens? Why aren't we running it more? Yeah. Well, to be honest with you, I don't know how much the offense is going to look from, from, from just a fan's perspective, how much different it's going to look from last year's, but they're certainly going to have a breadth and depth of the offense that they didn't have last year. And that goes back to everything that Scott just said. You had a, you know, obviously a short run up to the season. You had a short season. You had a new coordinator, new system, new quarterback. All those things play into the fact that you're going to have a much, much smaller playbook to go off of. And yes, they're going to have a much bigger playbook to go off this fall. I, I just don't know how much the offense is going to drastically change from what we saw last year because they're still going to want to be a, a base power run offense with pro style tendencies to be able to try to get themselves in the best place possible. And again, it's going to be a pro style offense, which means it's going to be balanced. They're going to run approximately 50% of the time and they'll probably wind up throwing the ball 30 to 32 times a game. And, you know, Jimmy Lake has always said, you know, he wants the offense to be unpredictable. And my idea of unpredictable is you don't know whether they're going to run the ball or pass the ball. And that's the most effective offense. And I think that's what this offense is built around. I don't think the playbook is really long. I just think that they just disguise a lot of things. And Scott, you've probably been following the Seahawks. That's what they're talking about in Shane Waldron's offense with the Seahawks and the Rams are running it and 49ers are running it. But, you know, it's just a lot of base plays, but they're just run out of different formations. So you can find out whether it's zone or man and you can change the name of, change the play at the line of scrimmage. But it's just that unpredictability of not knowing whether the ball is going to be run or thrown. Yeah, and and that's what and Jimmy Lake said those are the those are the offenses that gave Washington fits over the years. It's been teams that they couldn't figure out, you know, they couldn't stop one or the other. They they couldn't really, you know, line up to to stop the pass and 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 then vice versa or stop the run. You know, it just they had to they had to play just a base defense and they couldn't be as aggressive as they wanted to be and that's what he wants his offense to be. Well, I was gonna say Washington fans may not like to hear this, but think Stanford. The Stanford is is a team that has run the ball effectively over the years under David Shaw, and they've also thrown the ball very effectively, used their tight ends very effectively. What does that sound like? That sounds like everything that Washington wants to be. So and with, think of what Stanford did. And with one of the best offensive lines in the country. And real depth at running back. Why wouldn't you run the crap out of the ball? Why wouldn't you? I mean, just <laughs> I think people would go crazy if they start throwing the ball all around the field with a stable of running backs and the big offensive line that they have. But uh, next question: biggest battles uh, fall camp. Where do you see him coming in, Scott? Well, I think I think you're looking at left guard between MJ Ale and uh, Nate Kalepo. I think that because they asked for the, the person who asked this asked for, for specifics. So um, I think left guard is going to be a huge battle. I think the backup spot behind uh, Luke Wattenberg is going to be pretty pretty uh, intense between Garen Hatchett and uh, Corey Luciano. And then, um, you know, wide receiver, you know, just figuring out your, your rotation and things like that. I, I think the running backs are pretty much set. And I know people would pro- – the coaches would probably disagree with me and everything, but Washington wants to be more dynamic in the running game. 
and Richard Newton gives them that much more. I think Richard Newton's your starter heading into the season unless he really falls off and, and doesn't give the effort that they're looking for. On the defensive side of the ball, I think it's the battle be, behind uh, Sam Taimani and Thule to be the to be the backup defensive tackles. I think that's going to be a nice little battle between Noah Ngalu, um, uh, with, uh, Jacob Bandis, and uh, Fatui Tuatele. Um, maybe even throw another guy in the mix, either Kuo Pehapa or uh, Voy Tanufi, either one of those guys. Um, at and, and then safety. Safety is really the big one for me. Um, I, you know, Dominique Hampton and Asa Turner and Alex Cook and, um, and, uh, Cameron Williams. I think those are the four guys battling for that starting spot and, and maybe Jacoby Covington a little bit. But, uh, I, I think Dominique Hampton's got a great chance to be the starter at one of the safety spots, but, uh, he's never played safety before. So, um, you know, spring was his first chance to do that. Yes. And where do you see the big battles at, Chris? Well, I, I disagree a little bit at running back, even though I know they have the four very, you know, the four options up top. When you talk about McGrew, and you talk about Pleasant, you talk about Rich Newton, you talk about Cameron Davis. Um, I'm really, I'll be very curious to see how JV on Sunday kind of tries to throw a wrench in the works and tries to really impose himself because he tried to do it at the very beginning of spring and he made, you know, kind of note that that he was coming. So I, I'm curious to see where he fits in all this. And then I, you know, you mentioned all the safeties and, and I absolutely 100% agree, Scott, but I, I'm gonna, I'm looking at the nickel. I'm looking at Bookie Radley Hiles and I'm looking at Cam Fabicolan and, and I'm wondering, cause I thought both of those guys had really, really good springs. I thought they bring something very different to that nickel spot. And I'm really curious as to how the defense is going to want to use those guys. Cause I think both those guys are going to be used a lot and I think they're going to be used in very, uh, maybe very specific type situations. So I'm really very curious to see how that nickel spot pans out. And you've also got a guy like Dyson McCutcheon who comes in, obviously huge pedigree. Um, I'm not expecting a true freshman to come in and, and light the world on fire at that p- particular position, but I think he's got a chance to maybe show up and, and say, you know what? I, I see these guys, but I think I bring a little something different. I'm a little bit more like maybe an Elijah Molden or a Miles Bryant and um, let's see how it goes. Yeah, and I think that battle at safety is going to be huge with Asa Turner, kind of the incumbent. But, um, boy, you've got uh, Cam Williams, who started – he started in the Rose Bowl, I believe. But, uh, you know, I think Cam Williams had a great spring ball, and I, I expect to see, uh, you know, that battle continue. And that's one of those positions where we could see those guys splitting time, you know, with those three guys getting just a lot of different playing co- time, uh, depending on the sets. And, you know, the biggest battles – you know, the defensive line is what really intrigues me because you've got, you know, Taki and, you know, um, you know, Taimani and Thule back there. But with the way Washington likes to rotate their defensive linemen in, you don't have to have those guys out there all the time and you can roll those guys out being fresh. And I'm expecting big jumps from guys like, um, Jacob Bandis. The guy that's kind of a dark horse for me is, uh, Noah Nagalu. Uh, you know, he didn't play a lot last year, but he's a guy that I could definitely see state stepping up. Um, there's, uh, as well as Fa'a, Fa'a Tui Tuatele. They've got some real talent there and they're going to be able to, and I know Chris, you know, likes to use the term that Jeff Choate initiated hockey shifts. I think they can really do that with the defensive line because I do think that they have enough depth to do that. 
I was going to say too, um, you know, with, with ZTF being out for a while, um, I think it's going to be very interesting to see what the rotation is going to be like. Cause obviously Ryan Bowman leads that outside linebackers room right now. But when you have a guy like Braylon Trice come in, the way that Akaika Molloy really bigged him up in, in the spring said he's on the same path as Joe Tryon. I know that's got to be super intriguing to Washington fans. And then obviously you got Savelle Smalls in there. You got Cooper McDonald in there. Um, you know, they, you know, and then of course you got Jeremiah Martin. Where does he fit in and all this too? Um, and Jordan Lolohea. So you've got a lot of bodies in there. I'm not really sure outside of Ryan Bowman, um, how the rest of that particular depth chart is going to pan out. Cause I think they all had moments in spring, but did any of them really, really come out and impose themselves when Zion went down? I think we're going to see in fall pretty quickly, um, who's going to want to step up and take that mantle. Will the three quarterbacks get even reps at the start of camp, and how long do you think that'll last? No, not no. a chance. No, nope. not a chance. I, Sam Heward um, showed that he's a freshman. Um, expected him to struggle a little bit, anyways, off the gate, and just like everyone does. And so I expect him to be a, a distant third from both Dylan Morris and Patrick O'Brien. I think Dylan Morris is the clear number one. I think Patrick O'Brien is really pushing him hard, but I still expect Dylan Morris to get the number one reps. And again, as we go down that funnel, expect things to tighten up where you, you know, the second and third team guys will get more reps as camp begins and that'll start to tighten up. Um, so just, like I said, something to keep an eye on, but I, I, I think that battle between, um, you know, the first two starting quarterbacks will be the, um, they're going to get most of the reps. So, um, next question. Who are the new, who are the new frost showing up for day one? I'm guessing they mean, uh, who will be the frost that we think is ready to go. Is that the way you interpret that? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what I was looking at. And it's kind of combined with the next question as well. But, um, you know, I, I don't know if there's any that are going to be guys who are going to be heavy contributors right away. Well, I'll give you guys the list if you want of the freshmen coming in that, that didn't come in for spring, for instance, because that's the way I took it is like, who are the freshmen? that are coming in that like weren't here. So of the scholarship guys, now this is newcomers too. So remember there's Giles Jackson from Michigan who's coming in receiver. You got Jabez Tanay who's a receiver. And this is the scholarship guys first. You got Owen Prentice, Robert and RJ Wersh at uh, offensive line, uh, COC Fanau defensive line. You got Maurice Himes outside linebacker, Will Latu inside linebacker. And then you got your DBs, Zachary Spears, Davon Banks, Dyson McCutcheon and Vincent Nunley. And then, uh, there's some walk-ons, quarterback Tyson Lang, tight end Griffin. Is it Griffin Wace or Griffin Weiss? I think it might Wait, be Weiss. Weiss. Is it Weiss? Okay. Yeah. Griffin Weiss. And then you've also got, uh, outside linebacker Milton Hopkins and, uh, inside linebacker McCona, uh, McKenna Hayes or McCona, McKenna, McKenna Haynes. Yeah. So, um, a lot of guys, 15 guys. So it's not like they're just, having a handful of guys come in to supplement the thing. We got a whole new crew coming in this summer and it's a, there's some, a lot of good looking bodies in that group. Scott, the yeah. only one I could see possibly playing, you know, possibly getting a little bit up in the depth chart would be Jabez Tanay. And the reason I would say he's got the best chance is because of how many of those guys that they actually play and how many guys get nicked. Yeah. Up. Yeah. I, I fully agree with you. I think you might see one or two of the defensive backs, depending. I think Zakari Spears, I put him down as one of my, and for those who are wondering, I did one, I did a article. What was it, Chris? Uh, last Thursday, I think. I think that's when I did it, but, um, is 
looking at which freshman will play, which one will redshirt, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. And uh, I think I had Zakari Spears as one of the true fresh. I think I had Void Chanufi and he, who was here in the spring, but, and Zakari Spears were two of the guys that I didn't think would redshirt this year. Cause I think Zakari Spears with his skill set, how big he is, how physical he can be. And the fact that he comes from a program that has produced a lot of really talented guys who played right away at the University of Washington out of Loyola. And then, um, they might need him on special teams. They might really want to get him on special teams. So, um, I think he and Void Tanufi, I think Void Tanufi is a guy who could end up, he's talented enough to play almost anywhere along the defensive line. Maybe not nose tackle, but everywhere else he could play. And I could see him being in the defensive line rotation if the other guys aren't playing as well as they should. Yeah, and I, I agree. I think Jabez today could be a guy that shows up. So I, I agree with that. And then obviously the other newcomer receiver, Giles Jackson, they're expecting at least I would think to be a kick returner at the very least. And then I'm kind of curious to see how he fits in with, you know, cause we know the old scheme that was run under Hamden and Smith. You had guys like Chico McClatcher. You had some of those guys that you could use in the reverse game, in the fly sweep game, things like that. And they've tried some of those things. They've done them with Terrell Bynum. They've done them with Jalen McMillan. They've tried to do a little bit with Roma Dunze. Um, I think Giles Jackson is the guy that they probably would want to see in that, in that, uh, in, in those types of roles because of what he can do with the ball in his hands. But obviously we haven't seen it yet. We'll get a chance to see it on Friday. And he's going to, he's going to stick out guys with the number zero. He won't be hard to find. <laughs> and next question is, uh, each year we seem to have a breakout player. ZTF was last year. Who would you expect that to be this year? And before we answer that, just a quick word from our sponsors. When we return, we'll get to that question and more. It's the guys from dogman.com on Dogman Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We are back. It's the guys from Dogman.com. I'm Kim Grenells along with Chris Fetters, Scott Eklund, just doing mailbag questions. And instead of just answering them, we thought we would just do a podcast and get all the information out to you. Just a reminder, we did get a partial schedule today with fall camp expected to start Friday, Friday morning at 10 o'clock. We will be there, have it covered wall to wall. Nobody will have as much in-depth coverage as the guys from Dogman.com. But we left off with the last question is each year we seem to have a breakout player, ZTF last year. Who would you expect that to be this year? Chris Fetters, I'll let you take that one first. Well, so I'm going to, I'm going to probably say one on each side because obviously ZTF was in, a, in an impact position where he could make some real stats. You know, I mean, he was seven sacks last year in four games. I mean, that that's pretty overwhelming. Um, I'm going to say, honestly, I think on offense, I'm really excited to see what Roma Dunze does. I think he had a bit of a breakout this spring. I think we saw at the very end in the last game or two last year that he has a chance to really be an impact guy, more, and not even just as a, as, as a possession guy, but as a guy who can get the ball and actually separate because we know he's got speed as well as his size. So I like Roma Dunze on offense. Defense, you know, it's 
it's the guy that I really think is playing alongside Trent McDuffie, and that's Kyler Gordon. I think we've been waiting for Kyler Gordon to break out. Um, he had a couple phenomenal plays last year. He had that strip uh, against Utah that really changed the game there. Um, we know what he can do as a gunner on special teams. Uh, you know, he's been an impact guy there for at least a couple years now. So I'm really expecting Kyler Gordon to be that guy because we we know he's had he has the athleticism and he's now he knows he's now the guy. He's got to be the guy now, and I think he's going to rise to the occasion. Scott, who do you expect to break out this year? Okay, I'll do the same thing that Chris did. Go on either side of the ball. Um, I'm going to go with uh, uh, D- Dominic Campton um, at the safety spot. I, I just I think this guy's ready to. Ha- he just looked like a beast in the spring, and I think he's going to break out and have a huge season. I don't think it'll be good enough to send him on to the NFL, make him want to leave early and go to the NFL. But I think he could have one of those great seasons that really puts him on the on the map for all american candidacy uh heading into the 2022 season um on offense you know chris did a good job picking picking romo dunsey i probably would have picked him too but uh since he already took him i'm going to go with richard newton i'm going to go with him i think he's a thousand yard back uh if he can stay healthy and his mind is right. One of the reasons why he was a healthy scratch the final two games of the season last year was because he wasn't doing what he needed to do, and the coaches basically benched him. He got in the doghouse, and they basically said, you've got this offseason to show us you're ready to go. Everything that we have heard is that he buckled down. He got everything taken care of that he needed to do. Um, and then we saw him in the spring, and Kim, you noted it several times that you just thought he looked quicker and faster and was making better decisions and quicker decisions and things like that on the football field. And I think he's ready to come out and prove that he's the guy who needs to get 40% of the carries uh, during the season. Yeah, and the guys that I'm looking at are a couple of guys. I, I know that big guys take longer to develop than the uh, smaller guys, but the two guys that I really expect to step up, it'll be their third year in the program along the defensive line, Fa'atua Tuatele and Jacob Bandis. These are two highly, highly, highly skilled, rec- highly recruited guys coming into the program, and the way they rotate guys in, I think those guys are really going to step up. And kind of my dark horse is a guy that just seems, Husky fans, it just seems like always have to have a guy that you know they need that human pinata to bag on to take swings at and that last year was jackson sermon and i liked really liked what i saw out of jackson sermon so i expect him to really step up and on the offensive side of the ball maybe a little bit of a surprise to both of you but i really liked what i saw out of devin culp uh, in spring ball i expected him to be really valuable in the run game he's not going to have all the catches that would indicate a breakout year but I think he's going to be a real important piece to what they do in this offensive scheme. They can line him up in the slot, in the line. They can put him back at H-back, back at fullback. And I think he's going to become a real valuable piece. And the other guy, the other tight end, Mark Redmond, he's just huge. And I think he's going to be a big weapon in the red zone for uh, this offense. So those are my two guys to stand out on the offense and two guys to stand out on the defense and maybe hey, two Tim, and a half. Yeah. Jim, I'm glad that you mentioned the tight ends, but I'll tell you what, you can take your two guys. I'll take Quentin Moore. I oh, think yeah. Quentin Moore's got a chance to really break out. Um, it'll be interesting. You got you you got your two guys. I'll take Quentin Moore, and we'll see how things go in fall camp. And we can uh, we can reconnoiter here and come back and do a podcast at the uh, end of fall camp and see where we're at. Yeah, the reason I like Devin Culp is not because of his pass catching ability. 
It's just his ability to do many other things much in the way. I wouldn't compare Quentin Moore or Mark Redmond to Will Disley. I would compare Devin Culp to Will Disley. He can just do a lot of things that Will did at that point in time. So um, we'll see how that goes. Uh, <laughs> is Taz Davis a real thing now? Yeah, I added that in because I saw the question. I'm like, well, he's he's a real thing. Like he's really playing for them. He's yeah. he's a real wide receiver. He's the one guy that opted out last year due to COVID that came back and had a great spring. And so, yeah, he's he's definitely a part of that rotation at, at wide receiver, if that's what you're asking. Yes, and and I don't I don't know if he's going to be a guy who busts out with 30 catches for 600 yards and five touchdowns. But um, I think he's going to be a guy who may be a threat here and there. He'll be in the rotation. If, if Jabez Tanea is in the rotation, now granted they're going to play different positions. Jabez is going to be more of a slot guy, whereas Taj is more of an outside guy. But if, if Jabez Tanea is going to catch 10 to 15 passes, I think uh, I think Taj Davis could easily have 15 to 20. Taj Davis, I mean, he flashed this spring. We saw him make a some lot. great Great catches and some, uh, you know, contested physical tough catches. And I thought he showed some flashes. I don't expect him to be an all conference wide receiver, but I thought he definitely played by like he belonged. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't show as much rust as I would have expected being out that long, but um, there's no doubt that when he signed with Washington, he was a guy that was very intriguing. Um, same school, if I remember correctly, as Cameron Davis. Yeah. Yep. So, um, you know, obviously they, they had scouted him and, and knew him very, very well. And, uh, he started to, he started to come good. But again, I think like a lot of those receivers, as, as Scott has also talked about, they flashed during spring, but outside of Bynum and maybe to a certain extent, Roma Dunze, I didn't see a lot of other guys that really stepped up and, and just went nuts for the entire spring. I think Racanelli had a really good spring. He came back really strong. Davis came back strong. I thought McMillan came back strong the second half. I thought he was uh, was not as good in the first half of spring. So there are guys that have done a lot better, but there haven't been those guys that have really stepped up and taken it. And um, hopefully Taj Davis is one of those guys that steps up and takes it. We have a bunch of four stars on the defensive line, but has anybody really met expectations yet? Well, we've kind of talked about the defensive line group and, and that they need to take that next step. Um, other than Sam Taimani, I don't know if anybody's really approached it at this point. Not because I think Thule, uh ha- has played poorly, but he hasn't been able to stay healthy. And what did he only play? He only played two played games two last games. year, right? Yeah, yeah and games. they were the second two games. And Washington didn't pl- didn't play very well against the run in those games. So, you know, I. I really, I have to see him step, if he can, I think he's, you know, I didn't mention him as a breakout player, but I think he could have a huge season and leave. If he has the kind of season I think he's capable of, he could be a guy who leaves early for the NFL. Um, but no, I don't think anyone's lived up to the potential at this point, but, uh, they're still relatively young. I mean, you're talking about, uh, Tuatelli and, and Bandis. I mean, what did Tuatelli play? Two games as a freshman and then redshirted. And then he played what three games last year? He's got five think, games under his belt. Yeah, I was going to say I, I, to me the premise of the question is it's a little premature because there's really yeah. only two guys that you can really uh, judge. you know judge yeah. at this point. And that would be Tuli and Taki, and I think Taki has met expectations in my opinion. I think Tuli, you're right. I think it's it's been more limited with him because he hasn't had as many opportunities. But we've 
he's shown that he can be an impact guy and you can see all the traits and, and the reasons why Washington wanted to sign him and why he was committed to USC, for instance. But all the rest of those guys, they just simply have not had enough turns to, to know. By the end of this year, we'll absolutely know if guys are on track to meet expectations or if they need to step it up. There's no doubt. Well, let me change the question around a little bit. You know, do you think that they've met expectations? Well, let me change it around to are you disappointed in those four star defensive linemen? Yes, they are. The person asking that question is definitely disappointed. <laughs> Are you disappointed, Scott? Um, I'm, I'm maybe a little more disappointed in, in not seeing Taimani, or I'm sorry, not Taimani, um, uh, Thule, um, live up to his potential yet. And, and I think part of that's been stunted because he had guys in front of him. I think another reason it's been stunted is because, um, he's been injured. So that's my only disappointment. It isn't that I think he's underperforming because he stinks or he's not, he's not giving the full effort. I think it's just been the fact that he hasn't had the opportunity to shine yet. And last year was his chance and he was hurt. So, um, this is going to be his prove year, his prove it year. And, and I think that's, that's going to be real fun to watch and see how he plays because I think he could have an all conference kind of a season. You disappointed in that group, Chris? No. No, simple as no. Why? No. Why, what would there be to be? Why would you be disappointed? How long I, think take- any, I think if anything, the reason why this type of opinion exists is because of what happened against Stanford last year, and and I think we've talked about how it was mostly the fact that I think a lot of people feel it was scheme, and how Bob Gregory has kind of addressed that. He addressed a little, it to a certain extent in spring by adding an extra big body in there. And we'll see if that really is the thing that takes care of that particular issue. If they can, you know, if they can accurately determine based on tendencies and whatnot to put an extra bigger body in there during rundowns, you know, they'll probably see the kind of, um, the kind of work inside in the trenches that they're, that they want to see. But simply put, if you're being overmatched by bodies, you know, simply put, if you've got five offensive linemen going up against two or three Defensive linemen, the numbers usually dictate that the offense are going to win that battle if they've picked the right play. How long did it take? How long did it take for Danny Shelton to step up? Well, it took a couple years for sure. I think, yeah, he was his his breakout season was kind of as a junior, and then he had his huge senior season when he was all American. Vita Vea, same thing. Greg Gaines, same thing. Yeah, to me, to me, that's why I said I prefaced that whole thing up front by saying I think it's a little premature because you only have two players that have played enough games where you could um, perhaps judge what they've done. Um, the rest of that group, no. No, the yeah, rest Levi, of that group is extremely young. Levi Anzarike. I mean, he, he took yeah. several years to get to do his thing, and now he, he – what did he – I'm totally blowing it up. It, it, second round draft choice? No. Third, yeah. Third, whatever he was. Yeah, I mean, come on. It, it's just – I think these guys just haven't had a chance yet to really shine yet. Offensive and defensive linemen, is it a fair statement? Most, not all, but it takes most until about their redshirt junior year to really break out. Well, especially when you're talking about the guys that Washington really has a strong chance of getting. I mean, they can get a five-star guy. They can get a four-star guy. But the guys out here in the West where Washington's doing most of their recruiting – are not the ones that are coming out of the South that are starting it as true freshmen at, at Alabama or Clemson. You know, it's just, it's a different kind of an athlete, different kind of an animal coming out of that area as opposed to the West. And, and that's just something people are going to have to deal with. 
What needs to be done to bring the excitement back to the program? Win. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's I, as simple as that for me. Yeah. You really win is. and everybody else comes back. Everybody wants to support a winner. Everybody wants to, um, you know, when I say support, I'm talking about being there at games, financially supporting them, um, you know, rooting them on, on social networks and doing all that kind of stuff nowadays. You win. If you win games, you will get attention and, and everything else kind of, you know, really spawns off of that thought that when you win games, everything else kind of comes with it that you want. And I think it's going to take two things. And I think winning is first, but I think it needs one more thing in addition to winning. And that's kind of a face of the franchise, a guy that's going into the following year with the type of hype that a Kayvon Thibodeau is getting this year. Uh, and I think that that player on this roster that could be the face of UW football and a Heisman Trophy candidate is Sam Heward. I think if, you know, at some point Sam will be the starter. And I think when Sam does take over the starter and he does things as we would expect him to do, he could be that guy going into the following year to get that hype around the program, to get that excitement going, possibly be a Heisman Trophy candidate. But I, I think in addition to winning, you need that star power. You need that breakout type player that's going to bring the attention and publicity to the program that everybody's talking about in the off season. I, I think Sabelle Smalls has that capability, not to necessarily be a, uh, a Heisman Trophy winner, but you know he has the talent and he's kind of got that charisma and he loves the media spotlight. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I'm just saying he loves to talk to people and and do all those things. I think if he gets it done um, uh, from a from a you know sack standpoint, can you imagine it? Because Brian Bowman is done after this year. Can you imagine? If you have Savelle Smalls coming off of one side, ZTF off the other side, and then you've got Jordan Lola Hea and Braylon Trice coming in as the backups, my gosh, that is just waves of pass rushers you can throw at the offense. And I, and I, I would love to see what Savelle Smalls can do after a full year in the system, a full year of getting used to things, learning how to play the run, something he wasn't very good at last year. I don't want to say stunk, but wasn't very good at it last year. Stanford really exposed him on that. And, uh, I think you're going to see, um, I think you're going to see him really take a leap this year. Um, and I'm actually really excited to see what he does. And then heading into 2022, that's when you, you can get really excited about him and ZTF. Man, those guys could be special. That's it for the questions. Uh, Scott will touch bases on recruiting stuff in a second, but anything else that we need to add football-wise before we get this thing started on Friday? What, I, if I could add a question since we're asking questions. Sure. What, what did you guys make of the amount of lost weight? Um, I mean, I don't know. If, I didn't add it up, but it seemed like like probably 90% of the team lost pounds. Yeah, I just, but to me, it was like they lost five, like the whole team lost basically five pounds. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I didn't see outside of, of Noah and Galu who lost, you know, 25 pounds, I think, something like that. And, and, uh, Qual, Peopo, who lost 20. Yeah. I mean, and and Miles Morale did 15, lost 15. Yeah, so. That tells me that they're, they're still in flux in terms of trying to figure out, okay, I went all out, I went nuts, I gained a ton of weight, and now I need to try to find that that balance, that perfect balance. Um, that's why you always see the offensive linemen guys. You know, they may in their second year gain 20 pounds, 25 pounds. You know, like 
Chase Scusa apparently lost 25 pounds. Um, but most of them lost 10, gained 10. For an offensive lineman, if you go from 275 to 285, is that going to really register with fans? If you go from 295 to 290, is that going to really register a lot? I, to me, like I said, these are, these are things that everyone wants to know about, but what do you actually make of them? Until you actually see them in person and, and see them run around, it's just so hard to know. Let me tell you a story from media day. Jackson Kirkland was down there and I think I've told this to Scott, but when Jackson Kirkland was originally being recruited, Washington wasn't recruiting him real heavily and he committed to UCLA. And I had a talk with, you know, uh, Jackson, uh, just how he's transformed his body where, you know, his shoulders and his hip look to be about the same width. And, um, what did he show up at about 330 pounds, Scott, 340 pounds? Yeah, something like that. And he was down at media day and I'm telling you what, he's got a V shaped body, his wide shoulders narrow at the waist and he has zero body fat. I mean, he's six, seven, he's probably about 300, 310. And he just looks like an absolute athlete. And I talked to him about how he had transformed his body from that type and just how amazing he looked. And he looked at me and says, if you're insinuating I'm on something, I'm not. And I'm going, no, 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 I wasn't. I was, you know, basically complimenting you for all the hard work you've taken to transform your body because he looks great. Don't and piss him off, Kim. Don't piss him off. <laughs> no, because what Trent McDuffie said, you know, this isn't the real Jackson Kirkland that you're seeing right now. But I, I think that's what I'm expecting to see tomorrow. If guys have lost some weight. I expect them to look better because of it and uh, uh, more muscle tone and uh, less uh, less body fat. Yeah, but if you use Kirkland as your example, Kim, which is a good example, you know, he comes into camp, at, you know, as a freshman at 330, 340, whatever. But when he got moved to tackle, he knew he was going to have to have much better footwork. He was going to have yeah. to be much lighter. But remember, he went all the way down to like 295. Yeah. And now he's at 310. So again, it's, it's trying to find that perfect balance and it's a never ending thing. Like I, the other guy I would mention is Devin Culp. Devin Culp started at like 230, I think when he was at Wash, when he first came in. I think I saw him all the way up at 265. So usually those guys overdo it in trying to get, you know, not too big, but they're trying to get bigger. They probably go over what they need to and then they step it back. So now, you know, he lost 15 pounds apparently. He's at 250. But you'll see some of those guys go through those um, changes because it seems to me in a lot of ways, and a lot of it, a lot of it comes down to genetics. It comes down to guys that, that do um, kind of go back and forth and they gain some weight, lose some weight. That's just how it's going to be with certain guys. Um, the one I'm really actually very, very curious about is JV on Sunday. I mean, he went from 210 to 195. We already know he's tough. We already know he loves to run between the tackles, you know, and I think a lot of people were, were hoping he could play at 210. I'm really wondering if he's at 195 now, does that mean we're going to see a little bit uh, more explosiveness going through the hole? Because that could be, that could be huge. Going to be interesting on Friday. And, uh, Scott, just to update recruiting, it's been a busy couple weeks and we're in a dead period right now. Where do the numbers stand? We're still expecting them to take about 15 guys. Is that still where you're sitting? Yeah, six, 15 to 17 might just settle right in at 16. So they're at 10 commits right now. And, uh, I think there's going to be some good news coming up here in the very, very near future. Scott, are you teasing? Yes, I am. People See, are just going to need to stay on the site. 
People don't ask you the right questions. They don't ask you because everybody asks you when the next commit is going to be. Yeah. The proper question is, what stories do you already have written? That's the true question. How many story? How many stories do you truly have written right now? I have one completely written with quotes, and I have, or not, not with quotes. I'm getting quotes very soon, and uh, and then I've got uh, two more that are written, but uh, don't know if they're gonna, when they're going to happen. See, so. Scott, this isn't fair because you're talking about coaches that you've talked to, correct? Uh, what do you mean? The stories you've got written are for, about coaches, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> final coaches thoughts. On, coaches on the field, Kim. There we go. Uh, Chris Fetters, uh, just final thoughts. Going into Friday. Friday's going to be kind of kind of crazy, I think. Yeah, it's coming before we know it. It is funny how summer goes, and you wonder where summer went. But, uh, you know, first day of fall camp is always the busiest. It's going to be It's going to be crazy. It's going to be interesting, you know, looking at all those numbers. It's going to be interesting looking at a number zero, um, and, uh, and seeing all those new guys running around as well. Always want to see the big guys like Finau, you know, what does he look like? Is he a guy that all of a sudden could surprise a little bit? I, I'm not expecting it, but you never know until you see him in person. So yeah, Friday, very excited. It's always a big day. Scott, just uh, final thoughts before we end this. Final thoughts, man. Just excited to get back to the normalcy of fall camp, you know, and, and the normalcy of not getting our schedule until the day before. I mean, that's, uh, um, you know, really, really what it is. Uh, you know, it, we, we've said it on the board several times. The season can't start soon enough. People are, are tra- chomping at the bit, man. They're just ready to go. They want to see this team in action after a full year in the system that they're in, a full year of Jimmy Lake as the head coach and, and running things at the University of Washington. I'm excited. I hope fans are excited. And uh, this is going to be a fun month as we ramp up for September 4th. ton of content coming your way. Expect podcasts to be beefed up, and we will make sure and do a podcast after every practice. So expect the podcast to uh, heat up as well i'm looking forward to football starting so just uh if you're looking for those daily updates once we start fall camp and we'll probably go ahead and get those really ramped up those daily updates as well as breaking news alert just shoot us a note husky stadium at gmail.com with subject line newsletter again husky stadium at gmail.com subject line newsletter we will get you hooked up. So for all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grenolds along with Chris Fetters and Scott Eklund. Go dogs. 